Hey, beautiful mama, and welcome to Bell and Beyond. I'm your podcast host, Katie, a mama of one little legend, Hunter, and we have been on the most wild health journey ever. My son was born and diagnosed with a cleft lip, and I want to share with you how I was empowered through it all. This podcast is for mums or soon-to-be mums and dads. Feel free to jump in too. It's a place to debunk the many motherhood myths that leave us feeling confused, lost, and misguided. I want you, mama, to walk away from every episode feeling empowered and educated to make choices that feel right for you and your family. My heart is to see mamas connecting back to their roots and being exposed to ancient wisdom with modern day education. I'll be bringing you open and real conversations around topics we are not talking about enough with people passionate about seeing you, mama, thrive from the belly and beyond. Welcome back to Bell and Beyond. I'm so excited for this episode with Amy Cox. I really hope that you're loving season two and you're loving Bell and Beyond with joy. We have literally one of the most joyful people I know coming on to speak today. She's from Playful Families. She's currently doing her PhD. She's going to be called Dr. Fun. She has four kids and she literally just brings so much light and love and intention to everything she does. You'll hear in this episode how she does not like the word activities because in all situations, she loves to remove the expectations of the outcome and allow the relationship between child and parent develop and play and just be free and creative. She's a wife to a spunky 203 centimeter man, author. She's a clinical master's researcher, like I just mentioned. She's an award-winning teacher, founder of her business, Playful Families. Amy's mission is to help generation CEO parents connected, empowered observers create connection and joy through being playful and to elevate play as a highly relevant 21st century neurobiological activity. Now, I love how smart she is, but I also love how real she is. This has been an extremely hard season for a lot of parents, teachers, anyone in the education space, anyone that has taken the role of homeschooling when you have no prior experience or anything to do with the education space. And I just wanted to say the intention that Amy and I set before we recorded this podcast together was that every mum would just remember she's amazing the way she is. She doesn't have to do better or do more. She's stunning. She can just be who she is, be with her children, and she doesn't need to try and plan and over sculpt and create and set these activities throughout the day, but rather be guided by the play that is within all of us. So I hope that's just a beautiful start to this podcast. And yeah, I'm really excited for you to hear from Amy. She's definitely someone that I really look up to. Well, welcome. I'm really excited today to have Amy. I've been contacting Amy for many months now, really wanting her to come on the podcast because I just love everything that she's about. She's from Playful Families. Welcome, Amy. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Caitlin. I'm super pumped. (laughs) Can you just tell us a little bit about you and also a top mama tip? A top mama tip. Okay. I'm going to try to nutshell this, Caitlin, <laughs> whenever I do this on my go. So I guess a little bit about myself is that I was a multi-award winning teacher. Like I've got received all these incredible accolades in my teaching career pre-kids. And I had a really clear idea 
of what it was going to be like when I had my babies. And a, a little over a decade ago, my husband and I, pre-kids, we just got married. We, I'd had this tool belt full of accolades and experiences and, and we moved to China to teach at an English speaking school. And in this year, I had children, I had 10 children from all over the world that they had, you know, none of them spoke English as their first language. They were from all different countries, cultures, backgrounds, contexts. And here I am with this tool belt of tools about how kids learn and get playful and these are the things you can do. And then I'm in this situation where the kids can't understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And so it was in this year that I realized and that actually changed really the trajectory of where my, I knew my life was going to go because there actually was a universal language. There was a language that each and every single one of these kids knew and it was the language of play. And so mm. fast forward, that was an incredible year, eye-opening experience. We had our beautiful, we had three kids in three years, Caitlin, four kids in five. <laughs> and as I returned to teaching, I started seeing this shift in what was expected with kids at earlier and earlier ages. And I'm a researcher by nature. I just love diving into like the developmental neuroscience and all that stuff about the psychology and the why behind what, how kids learn. And I started seeing that not only was more being pushed down at younger and younger ages, but the teachers were feeling this stress and pressure to do more, be more, teach more to the kids. And I recognized that I couldn't, I couldn't teach within that system with those expectations. And so when we had our fourth baby, so we had about four kids in five years. We moved from Perth, where all of our family and friend base was, up to the Pilbara, where we are in northwest, not regional northwestern Australia, for my hubby's work because he advocates for Indigenous teen, you know, teenage boys, like we were speaking about prior to this episode. And it was in this time I had four kids under five, away from everybody that we knew. You know, not, it was like forty-five degrees outside every day in summer. So like, you literally go outside, your skin feels like it's like melting off. And it was here that I really lent into my inner knowing and thinking. Well, what do I want to advocate for? Who do I want to be? How do I want to show up in the world for my kids? And so I started sharing just little snippets of what we were doing at home on Instagram. And, you know, we started this challenge account called Early Learning 101 because I'm just so passionate about play and advocating for that, which grew quite exponentially in a really short period of time. And after this is, you know, we're getting to the mama question in a minute because <laughs> um, it all fits into the piece of the puzzle. So once we started this account, we were sh- I was seeing all these perfect ideas of play, these perfect ideas of what parents should be providing to their kids at home. And it really did not sit well with me. So after growing you know, tens of thousands of people in this community, we've got over 100,000 photos using this hashtag that we created. I felt sick to the stomach sharing anything that I was doing at home with my kids because I did not want people to think they needed to do more. And so Mm. out of this experience, I sort of backed off from Instagram because I'm like, "Eh, I've got to figure out a way that I can share my passionate advocacy for play, but in a way that doesn't, there's no pressure for people to do because it's about this being, it's about this playful connection with your kids. And so I launched Play Squad 
three years ago, actually, almost to the day. In a couple of weeks, it will be three years to the day without uh, a unique process that helps parents tap into their family values, their beautiful, unique, incredible little child. That's not the same as who they were when they were growing up. That's not the same as these people down the road. That's not the same as anyone else. They are uniquely them. And what Play Squad does is help parents tap into that and really enjoy their kids more and turn more challenging parts of their day-to-day into opportunities for, yeah, for connection. And so that in a really skinny nutshell is sort of where sort of my context, where I've come from. I'm also a master's student, so I'm back on the research bandwagon because my baby is at like full-time school, so all my kids are at school. And so I've started the journey to really elevate play and the role of play as a 21st century, like right now it is an essential neurobiological activity and that's what I'm on a mission to do is to enjoy, like help people enjoy their each other, enjoy their families and to elevate play. Oh, my God. Well, maybe we, we can talk about this and unpack this. I don't think there's one specific thing, but I, I think it's just to trust, just to trust yourself and to trust that your child is the perfect you know, is it's perfectly them, and we don't need to change anything about who they are. We can help guide them and to help, you know, to help them become the best version of themselves. But to really tap into this role that we view ourselves as a parent, like, are we viewing our role as like that our child is this blank canvas that we just have to do step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, and then they're going to be this outcome. They're going to be this child that I get to design, or are we viewing our role as a gardener? as someone that can create these nourishing routines, habits, experiences, environments that helps our kids thrive into who they are meant to be, you know? So I think that when we view our role in that way, to trust ourselves, to trust our child and to focus on being instead of doing, then it's, it just leads to more connection and joy. So there we go. Little nutshells. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and that's what happens when you ask Dr. Play the question, which at Top Mama Tip, you get this beautiful exploding evaluation. I absolutely love that. So your company is Playful Families and Play Squad came out of that. Can you tell us a little bit more about some, I'm kind of calling them arms because I feel like they're arms that are coming out from the original, you know, Playful yeah. Families. Tell us a little bit about the different, can I say projects or things that you're executing at the moment? Absolutely. So when I first had this discomfort within me, seeing all these perfect ideas of play, we started, and and because I'm a researcher at heart, Caitlin, I started diving into the neurobiology, the science behind how our kids develop. And not only the science between between our kids, but also us as a parent and the impact that our self-perception, the impact that our value and how we feel in the day-to-day impacts that as well. And so Initially, when I first started sharing on Instagram, I was called Playful Little Learners because it was all about my four beautiful, imperfect, beautiful little peeps. But what I did was when I started diving into this research a couple of years ago, I was like, you know what, it's not just about the kids. Like Mm. there's there's this societal, and I'm really big picture here, but and this sounds a bit heavy, but we're conditioned to think it's all about the kids and our Mm. feelings, the way we feel about ourselves isn't a part of that equation. And so I removed little learners from my 
for my name and came under the umbrella of playful families. And so what that does is it looks at this holistic view to having kids because it's not just about what they're doing. It's not just about how we're showing up as, you know, their parent. And we've developed this thing called the playful path, which looks at like observing and attuning ourselves to our beautiful kids. It looks at the value of relationships um, and the impact that has on, on not only our kids, but on ourselves. It looks on uh, this idea, and you know, you're a member of Play Squad, you hear me say this 80,000 kajillion times, it's connection, not perfection. And so we've got this framework that it's this trademark framework that we've developed through working with thousands of mamas over the last few years that we use as sort of the heart and soul, these stepping stones to what, to what I do. And we look at the, we look at four pillars. We look at family, look, and I've got my rainbow now. We look at family and leaning into who you is, who you are, your values, who your children are. We look at yes tools. So we look at actually creating an environment like we spoke about at the beginning that is going to nourish our beautiful individuals, like these habits, routines, environments, experiences. We create these yes tools. We've got our like play and joy and actually making sure like, do you actually do anything that's fun for yourself as well as your kids and mm. play in our lives? And that's number three. And finally, we look at mindset and we look at the fact that, and we were talking about this a little bit off air, but we are looking at the fact that when you become a mum, you are a totally new person. It's an identity right. yep. shift. And like, like adolescence is a period between childhood and adulthood matrescence is this period of transformation. Like we are not the same us static through time. We might've had expectations and, and ideas and goals about what we think parenting is going to be. But unless we check in with the fact that actually, am I coming from a place of what I thought it was, would have been or should have been like, or am I coming from a place of presence in this actual moment? And is this actually what it's all about? And so that's our playful path. And that piece of matrescence is my beautiful friend, Amy Taylor Cabaz. Highly recommend if you, you know, if you're feeling that stuck and why, why does this not feel how I thought it was going to feel? Because she is the matrescence activist for Australia and is an incredible resource as well. So there you go, Caitlin. That's a bit of another nutshell. So. <laughs> and I cool. love that the four colours of the rainbow, part of your branding is your four children. So today you're wearing blue. So which child are you wearing? (laughs) So my my eldest. So I've got two boys, two girls, my blue, green, pink and yellow. And they, yeah, and they are the colors of my branding and yeah, behind everything I do because I love them more than I thought I would ever be able to, you know, and And I love that because (laughs) it's just your family is then intertwined in everything that you do through Mm. you know color and branding representation and that's what makes playful families playful families is those four colors like it's Mm. everywhere i love your reels with your four different colored Mm. t-shirts like i love your colored earrings like it just (laughs) elevates that whole playful Mm. family so Mm. that's just beautiful um one of the other things I really wanted to get you to talk a little bit more is this secret source to getting to know, you know, kids to play independently. I know at the moment we have a lot of smaller households squished up with kids trying to do homeschooling, parents trying to work, and the whole dynamic of how we operate in the home has totally shifted. Mm. And it's quite intense for people that live in the city. That's been the whole city living unit apartment you know, everyone goes out of the house and goes to work and school, but now we've all been 
brought back inside and it's kind of I'm having moments myself where I'm like can't he just go and play by himself for a little bit you know that frustration but it's not then set up in a really empowered way and I love on you know our squatties and I'll go into this as well how you learn to set up the house and you know really allow that independent play so can you talk a little bit about how we can do that in a positive fun way Absolutely. The first thing I just want to acknowledge is that coming back to this piece about ourselves, it's like this time is totally unprecedented. Like this is just one of those times in history that people are going to look back on and be like, oh my goodness, how on earth did people survive? Like if you're in Melbs or New South Wales, like lockdowns for over a hundred days, trying to maintain life as a normal thing, trying to work, trying to do all of the things. And I think the first thing we we as humans we're just we we're meaning making machines but we're also trying to only think of what's the steps what's the next thing to do that but to acknowledge that you know what this is actually really hard and it's okay that it feels really hard and it's okay Mm. that the way you're living is not the same as when you've got all your support networks when you've got the ability to the kids to go to school or go visit granny or go to the you know hang out at a friend's place or all of those things that fill us up and so I think the first thing is to just release that pressure cooker of what it should look like because it's a totally, we just don't know. And there's a level of anxiety and stress within our bodies that we would, we feel because of this. So the first thing I say, just release that pressure. The second thing is that our kids uh, like have this Wi-Fi connection to us, right? So like you can like airdrop mm. things to your phones and whatever. Our kids have this Wi-Fi connection to us. And our words, we, you know, say our words with the intention of them coming out a certain way. But sometimes it's more than words that our kids pick up on. They're picking yes. up on our body language. They're picking up on our, on a, and, you know, this is a bit crass, but this is how I speak, so excuse me. But the cat bum lips and the, and the crease brow and the waggy finger and the just go play. And they're responding to that. Now, our kids are wired for connection Mm. to us. Literally, the only underdeveloped organ for our kids born term, and I don't know if you know this, but the only underdeveloped organ at birth is the brain. So the relationship that we have with our kids literally builds their brain. And so when we have this stress within our bodies, when we are feeling like, just go play, the cat bum lips, the crease brow, the waggy finger, That's sending a message to our kids. And this is a hard pill to swallow, especially those people in stressful times. Don't judge yourself if you feel like this. It's not a judgment thing. It's just observe because what happens is our kids, that just makes them more like wanting to connect with us more. What's happening? I feel unsafe. You don't feel like you're, you know, you're stressed, mummy. Are you okay? Mm, mm. And so this is why I've got a couple of programs. One is Play Squad where we look at our beautiful little people, but one is called The Smile Connection and it's about us as mm. parents. And so whenever we, when I'm speaking about helping our kids play independently and do that, we first have to check in with ourselves. And it's really hard in this time because when we go to the gym or we do all the things that actually make us feel a little bit more like ourselves, right? Like we, we don't have access to those things anymore. So just checking in with like, all right, look, I've got a lot on my plate today. I want my little one to just go off and play because isn't that what kids are supposed to do? Like they just play, right? That's their work. We read all about it. But actually 
what is their drive? They're, they're driven by connection, by competence and by control. And they don't have control about that over their day. The connection to you is what they really want and competent feeling like they've got this, um, they're good and they can, they can contribute meaningfully to the family. And what I teach in like, there's lots of masterclasses like this in both Smile Connection and Placeboard, but they walk around with this invisible bucket, right? That's, that has these, yes. these needs. And so they need that connection in that bucket. They need to feel that that all need to be filled up. And so when we approach our day with, okay, well, I know I've got to get this work done. I know I've got my beautiful little person at home. Let's connect first, fill up their bucket first, spend this time with them first. And then once that's done, then we can just like, uh, like have that defined time. All right, let's have special time, mummy and, you know, mummy and buddy time or whatever. But once that's done, then I've got to do some really important work. Are you going to play with the trains or are you going to play, you know, with your Lego set or are you, yeah. and, then, and, then, and then give them that option and that power is put back in their court. This is what's happening. The boundaries in place, but what, how can they then have autonomy over what happens next? And yeah, just checking in with how like those non-verbals, you know, our, our tone, our, our body language, our cat bum lips and the creasy brow and just play now. And, you know, the more connected we, they, our kids feel to us, the safer they're going to feel to be able to be independent for, for longer. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Love that. I love that so much and something I've been personally taking responsibility for because I wouldn't have necessarily viewed myself as a joyful person, even though joy is actually a choice. I would never be like, oh, I'm that fun, amazing mom that couldn't wait to have kids. And I just loved playing with kids. I was little. I wasn't like that. I was the only child. I had to grow up very fast. I missed the play in my own childhood, right? So I had to, then I went into the rebellious stage where we find playing all the things that aren't really play. They're just destructive. And then we come out as this adult and we're like, but wait, I want to have fun and play. So playing now with my son has been a totally huge awakening and a really big self-reflection mirroring of actually my own play and how I see play. So something I've been taking responsibility for is filling up my cup. I get up an hour before he can, hopefully if he sleeps to the time that <laughs> he does. And I try to journal, do my like gratitude. I try to like, um, you know, put my diffuser on. I try to have my superfood drink. I try to do a dance, put on music. And then we've been doing this thing. I try to get James as well, even though he likes to sleep in more than me. We open my son's door and we go, it's the morning. We get to see you. It's a new day. It's joyful. And we do a big dance. I even recorded him the other day, me doing it and he's Mm -hmm. He eats differently at breakfast. He, the first play that we have for the day is different. The way he's interacting with us is different. And I can see this whole shift. I've only been doing it for like 10 days. And I can see that I said to James, can you see how his mood has changed mm -hmm. so much? And then all he wants to do is go up outside and he plays independently and he gets buckets and sticks some water. And I just end up sitting on the grass and I just watch him. I don't even have to do anything. Mm -hmm. I just sit there and watch him play with rocks and sticks and water and buckets. And he just goes off in his own little independent world and he's free without restriction and boundaries. And it's just been this beautiful awakening in my parenthood and just revealed so much about myself and so much about him. So I love everything that you're saying. It's just beautiful. And I love that you say it's not this pretty Pinterest board, like oh. play is different for everyone and oh. play for my son is different for play for your four kids. And I've actually had to learn how my son likes to play. Mm. And that's really 
been a journey because sometimes you want to put them in a box, you know. I imagine him sitting on the ground playing with toys. My son doesn't really like toys. He wants to be in nature. He'd rather play with a stick for literally three hours. If I give him toys, he kind of just goes, meh, and walks to the door and wants to go outside. Oh, and I've had to really surrender to what play looks like for him. Mm. So can you just talk into that a little bit, breaking expectations of what mm. play looks like at daycare where they sit in their sections, and I'm not criticising daycare. I think there's a place for everything. But we then come home and think we can box them in into these little corners of the room and think that it's just going to be like that. Absolutely. And I, I think what you've just said, Caitlin, is at its essence, right, it's not about doing it's not about yeah. I'm going to do this activity and it's like nails on a chalkboard. I hear the word activity now. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I feel like it just literally is like nails on a chalkboard for me because the definition of play, like the characteristics of play is that it's internally motivated. It's internally mm. motivated. It doesn't come from an external thing. The player is, is motivated by how they feel internally. It's symbolic. So some of the things that they're participating in doing, it might look random to you. It might look messy. It might look like, what? What are you doing? You're putting a, a stone in a bucket? Like, what? That's not play. And we judge it. We judge it because we put, like you said, like we put what it should look like in this box when actually an evolutionary necessity. So the way the human species have literally survived is based on this diversity. Every human is different. And that is essential because that's how we've got the different workers doing the different things. And we are not, like our children are not us. Even although we might like to play in a certain way, our kids are not us. They're their own beautiful little people. And so I think it's so easy to think, okay, well, it's my responsibility to make sure my kid's playing. It's my responsibility to get the activities. It's my responsibility to do this. But when we actually lean in and reflect on what actually is the division of responsibility, like kids have this innate drive to play. It's part of their neurobiology. It's just how it's like this evolutionary necessity. It's how the human species have evolved. Play is a part of childhood. It just is what it is. But we can interfere with that when we start looking at a child and saying, no, no that's, that's not play. That's not how you do it. When actually play can be messy. It can be like jumpy. It, you know, my, and I'll tell the story just to contextualize how this looks. Like my beautiful eldest son, I just, he just has made me as a human. He literally has made me as a human because I had this expectation that I've got all the tools, man. I've got all this, you know, all these years at university. And when I have my own child, they're going to be, like you said about the daycare, they're going to be sitting down. They're going to be writing their name by the time they're three and doing all these activities. And when he came into my world, he did not stop moving. And I started doing all these little things with him. And, and like, and he was like, Mark, 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 I'm not doing that because it wasn't coming from him. The motivation was like, it was, I was saying, no, you've got to do this. This is what it should look like. But when I lent in and recognized what's the division of responsibility here, what's my responsibility and what's his responsibility? Am I trying to make him into something that he's not? Am I trying to teach him? Am I trying to control him? And I think this is the thing about, um, and what I talk about in lots of my programs is this paradigm shift of recognizing that our role is to help is a to be connected to our kids and to do that we need to see who they are and mm. so beautifully like you said with your son like 
he's a mover. He needs to go outside and he's happy. His play looks like picking up a stick. Now, of course, we have to have boundaries and we want like safety is a priority too. So we're not, we're, it's not permissive. We're not, you know, if your kid loves jumping, we're not saying, oh, well, you can just let them jump off the table because that's not safe. Like, we, But mm-hmm. when we lean into all of these things that actually if we look at things, okay, well, you're acting, you're jumping off the couch, maybe you need to move outside and, and then we can lean into that behaviour and view like their play in a way that's validating their internal experience. Because like you said, like when that happens, when they feel seen and when they're able to drive and motivate themselves to play in the way that feels right for them, because that's what's happening in their brains. Their brains are literally being wired by these experiences. Then they're going to be happier, more connected and more able to play for longer periods of time. And so I think that, and this is coming back to what I was saying in the intro, Caitlin, with this perfect idea of play, I'm like it's nails on a chalkboard for me because social media distorts the view of what play should be. I love social media. I love connecting with people on there. It's an incredible platform to connect with people. I'm actually obsessed with it. It's a really lovely thing. But we have to view <laughs> it, do you know, we have to view it in a way that it it's not changing the way that we are approaching our kids well that chick on instagram is doing all those activities with her kids so maybe i should be doing that too like it has to Mm. start from your family your beautiful little people because play sometimes isn't pretty actually most of the time it's not pretty so (laughs) they love they love it the messier the messier the better (laughs) i know it's so yeah it's and that's something you have to surrender to as well If there's anything around like being clean all the time or this perfectionism, (laughs) that's got to go because hello, you literally have poo and spit up milk all over you from the second they enter the world. Like, wasn't that just a sign it was going to be messy? I mean, birth's messy. Like... (laughs) Hope you're absolutely loving this episode with Amy Cox from Playful Families. Wow, 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 wow. This woman literally challenges me in the best way possible. She expands my thinking. She opens my mind and she draws out the inner child, playful, fun person that I am. And I just love how she brings back the empowerment and the encouragement to our parenting. And sometimes that can be really challenging and there's low days. And I love how honest and real she is about her feelings with her children and brings back that connection and time with family. I would love To place a little challenge on you, write down 10 friends that are parents, 10 mums that you would love to encourage today. Send them a beautiful note saying, you know what, you're doing an amazing job. You're an amazing mum. I'm inspired by you. I love you. And also just drop in the link for this week's episode. I honestly believe so many mums are going to just take the backpack off their shoulders this week. They're going to take a moment to breathe. They're going to realize they're doing an amazing job. They might be homeschooling in lockdown and just go outside and set some beautiful, playful intentions and just drop the worry and stress, education and goals and structure and statistics and homework and all of those things, which I know are so important. But also, as we discussed in this episode, 10 years from now, our kids aren't going to think about the homework that they completed during COVID. They're honestly going to think about how loved and supported and heard they were. So mums out there, let's encourage other mums. If you're listening to this, being given the badge of opportunity to pass on encouragement and love from today's episode. So 10 friends, send 10 links, and let's see how many people we can get exposed to the beautiful, playful personality and I guess way of living 
that Amy Cox has inspired us with. All right, let's get back to it. Hey, I love this quote that you have on your website. Sometimes you have to let go of the picture that you thought it would be like and learn to find joy in the story you are actually living by Rick Hansen. And I just, I read that as I was flicking through before today and I actually sent it to a friend. I was like, oh my gosh, isn't this so a picture for us as parents, like letting go of what it's going to look like and just allowing this freedom and fun. So I guess that like really leads me to my next question. How can we really not get caught up in the control and the perfectionism <laughs> and the structure and but still guide uh, I know you don't like the word activity. Still don't, guide don't, don't say activity to me anymore, Kayla. <laughs> guide play or yeah. set up a scenario of play mm. because sometimes we need to initiate the play. Like it might be pulling out the paper and the pens or pulling out the painting or you know setting up a particular um, area for them to go and have that independent play. Yeah. How can we do it in a way that allows them to guide us in the play rather than us driving it but still kind of having the creative idea and setting it up. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think you nailed it with the control. It comes back down to control because when we set up something, because we've seen it on Instagram or we've seen that person do it on the Pinterest or I call it Pinstar, like the, you know, the socials, there's an expectation associated with it. At the end of this activity, they will have, played independently for 20 minutes, created a block tower that looks perfect with, you know, drawn a picture that looks in a certain way. Like there's so, without knowing, there's so many expectations that we associate with our kids' play. It's If you're going to do this, the outcome is going to be this. But play, like we mentioned before, is internally driven. It's not about the pro, it's not about the outcome. It's actually just about the process. And so what I teach inside Play Squad is, and um, as you know, Caitlin, because you're in there, but we're leaning into what they're actually showing us and in a way that's within the boundaries of our, um, of what we want because it's not about being permissive and saying, okay, well, if their, their play is knocking over blocks, like I don't want blocks all over my house, but inviting them to play. So rather than an activity, because I feel like activity has just got this connotation that's got this end goal, this end thing. By the end of it, they're going to learn their colors. They're going to do all the things. Um, And there's this amazing, amazing book that is just the perfect summary of what um, I'm all about at Play Squad. And it's called um, The Gardener and the Carpenter. And it's about the, you know, the, the science of development and how, what our role is as parents. And our, we do want our children to play independently. We do want that. But to create, rather than viewing the activities, falls into the carpenter for me. So it's like if I have step one, get the space set up. Step two, step three, the outcome's going to be, you know, they're going to learn their colours, they're going to play independently, whatever that expectation is. If we release that and we go into this garden and think, well, actually, I know that my child loves to move they're a mover and I know that I need them to be independent. So what can I do to ensure they still have that movement? Because I know that if I sit down to work, they're going to come and they're going to knock off and they're going to be jumping over the things all over the couches and all that sort of stuff. So actually acknowledging, well, what do they need? Do they need to move their bodies before we come in and structuring our environment in a way that actually nurtures and supports those beautiful little individuals um, and releasing that expectation of what, it's going to look like in the end because to be true play that has to be guided by a beautiful little people and we can extend it and we can scaffold it if you're a teacher like coming back and um, in a way that extends on what they know 
but even just a simple thing, like if you know that they love jumping, maybe you can, you know, pop them on a trampoline and pop a little ball or a balloon or something on the trampoline with them. It's not an activity. Like, you know, there might be some bloggers that might say it's activity, but it's inviting them to look at two separate things. Oh, wow. Like there's a balloon and there's a trampoline and what can I do? And then it encourages their creativity, imagination, all of those beautiful, juicy skills to say, okay, well, what can I do with this? So, yeah, but checking in, it has to, we have to check in with what are we expecting? What are we, what are our expectations around this? Because sometimes our beliefs are so deeply ingrained that we actually don't realize that we have them. It's just a way, it just is what it is. It's like fish swimming in a fish pond and like one of them says to the other, like, oh, how's the water today? And the other one's like, what, what water? because they're in the water. They don't know that they're swimming in the water. So we've adopted these beliefs. We've cultivated these beliefs that we actually have to do all these things. But actually, you know, we don't. We get to choose. And looking at who our beautiful, unique person is is part of that. That was a random tangent. I don't know if I answered your question. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And it's making me think about my day yesterday. We, mm. we like Because I said my son is absolutely craving and just desiring nature and water. Mm. Water is his play at the moment in every single way water could be. Puddles, buckets, tipping, pouring, dripping, mm. tap, gushing, every form of water in its energy. And we spent the whole morning outside, like I said, and then he had a big sleep because he wore himself out. Mm. And when he woke up in my head instantly, I went into, well, we've already done the outside play this morning, so now we need to do something else. Why would we then go back outside? And we already did that. That box is ticked. And I kind of caught myself out and I was like, he doesn't see it like that. He's not that structured into block play where this is the red color and this is the blue color and this is the time you have to do he just wanted to go back outside again because he saw that it had rained and it formed little puddles on the footpath. So he's like, now I can go and experience water in another structure, mm. which is stamping and jumping in puddles. I mean, he tried to lay on the ground and drink it, and I was like, oh, that's what that does do. <laughs> but I was like, okay, now he wants to slurp water on the ground, and he's just in this whole multifaceted dimension of water. And I had to let it go. He's in his nappy running around. I had no plans on going outside for our next activity bracket. And I just was like, flip it. That's what he wants to do. Okay, let's just spend another an hour walking around outside back and forth, up and down in the puddles. And then I did get to a point where I was like, okay, I actually would really love to go inside now. I feel like I just need to sit down myself. And I was kind of, you know, tipping into, okay, what does mummy need now? Mm. And he did actually go inside and sit down for a little bit until he, you know, got those restless legs again and needed to, to go play in another way. Mm. But it was a really good tapping in self-reflection that I just created this thing in my head for him and I basically made up a rule that we don't go outside twice in a day for no reason because I don't know that's just a paradigm that I had in my head so I love that you say that because it's breaking down the layers and I think being at home and COVID is breaking down the layers and just really looking at what do my kids need right now? Do my kids need to just sit and read a book? Do my kids need to get outside and jiggle those legs and go do something different, get some fresh air because they've been inside all day? Or um, I love the idea that someone told me recently, a parent uh, coach that has about 10 years in kind of education, and she said she loves to play the stuck game. She finds when little ones are getting overwhelmed and stressed and tense, they just need touch, full focus, 
you know, it might be on your lunch break and you just play the stuck game and there's a button that you have to press to release and she's like, let's just shift the energy. And I loved that because sometimes I just need to touch my kid and remind him that I'm there and he's safe and, you know, that I'm there to play. So can you talk a little bit about, like, with the situation of COVID, this is the reality for many people in Australia right now in some of the primary states that are feeling overwhelmed and and when we're in a place of overwhelm, we often run out of creativity or we, we can't tap into that creativity and we start to do the Pinterest searching and what can I do next, what activity is there and how can I structure my day for my own mental health and how can we kind of release that? and just kind of bring more of this creativity and flow back into our day and how that looks. Mm, I think it does come back to this expectations point we've been speaking to about so much, Caitlin. Um, And I'm going to intro the answer to this with a little story about my youngest daughter. And this was from COVID, like when it first kicked off last year when we were in our first lockdown is that we at this dinner table every night we do best thing worst thing funniest thing so we go around we say all the things now on this specific day she was three at the time my daughter my youngest daughter it was her turn and so everyone's like oh what was your favorite thing of the day love she said oh I loved it when mummy and I did the sweeping and my husband's just like what because I'm like a rubbish housewife, like rubbish at cleaning and doing all the things. So he's like, you touched a broom? Like that's really, I don't believe it. Earlier in the day, we had like, there wasn't the ability to go outside because where we live, it's like 45 degrees in summer. So it's literally you go outside, your skin feels like it's melting off your body. Like it's that hot. So there's a certain period of the of the year that we have to stay inside. So in a way, I feel like we've been prepped for this lockdown situation because we've lived in this place for five years. But what happened was we, coming back to that touch thing with you as well, like I knew that my daughter loved horses, loved horses. I had a live video that I had to do that was going to go for an hour. So I was like, I've got this thing I have to do. And I think many of us can relate to this in lockdown, right? Like I've got this non-negotiable work thing I have to do between these hours, but I've got this beautiful little human that I know is going to need me. How am I going to direct her in a way to enable me to finish this job, but still acknowledge and you know appreciate her? And we jump into when we're, especially when this fight or flight and we're going to like doing all the Google thing, like we're not using this logical, like decision-making planning part of our brain, right? So for what I did in this moment, I knew that she was, I knew that she uh, loved horses. I knew that I had to have this hour time. And so like in the lead up to it, like 45 minutes to an hour beforehand, I knew also that to move her body was a really good idea. So we had a dance party, really simple, just put some music on and just had a little bit of a thing. And then we got a broom out and we hopped on the broom and we're just like, yeah, we were just riding this broom and just being gooses, Caitlin. Like it just, it's embarrassing. Like if you came to my house sometimes, you would just be like... Holy cow, are you actually nearly 40 or are you like a five-year-old? Because I think sometimes <laughs> we we come at our kids' play from our context, but yeah. like when our kids feel connected to us, if we get in the ego state of our child and just see the world from their lens and, hey, let's be, you know, just jump on a broom and ride that or, you know, I don't know if you did this when you were a child, but like you lie on your back and you play a helicopter and your kid so you're lying on your back and you put your legs up so like in 90 degrees and your kid sits on your legs and you just broom like an aeroplane or just this so many yes. simple things you can do because there's eye contact there. It's totally entering into our child's ego state. 
when they feel that connection to us, when they feel that playfulness, then, you know, they're more able to, and also they've moved their body, they've done all the things like, they, you know, not that we're tick, 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 but they've done all those things. Then they are more able to, you know, be independent or, you know, we can leave out the blocks or bring out toys that they haven't played with for a little while. But I think overcomplicating because we want to do the best for our kids. We want to do the best and and trying to function within this society at the moment as it stands like lockdown and all these expectations, just simplifying it. Like one of my favorite sayings that keeps me saying, like I have four kids in five years, Caitlin. So like four, like at one stage I had a nearly five-year-old, three and a half-year-old, almost two-year-old and a newborn, like insane amount of children in a short period of time. But one of my favorite things is how can this be easy and how can this be fun? And so reflecting on that, so you're setting the intention, you're not waking up the day, oh my God, I've got this, I've got to entertain the kids. And they're just being like, how can this be easy? How can this be fun? What can I do to enter my child's ego state in that first part of the day, fill up their bucket so I can get things done? And because what I find when I do these things, when I'm a goose, you know, I always talk about being a goose, but fluffy goose, we call it in our family. Like, I would just feel like being a fluffy goose today. Like, the kids, the, the joy on their faces, it's it's magnetic, right? And so I'm seeing, like, I feel like crying talking about it because it's like the most beautiful thing about being a parent because they've got this just pure joy, this pure joy. And I'm like, I want some of that pure joy. Like, give me, and it's just this reflective process. And this is why I'm obsessed with this relational neurobiology and the way that we feel, being this like energy that we're emitting to our kids. And rather than, like emitting this like stressed out energy, adult energy, like just entering into their world just for like seven minutes. Doesn't need to be a Pinterest activity. Doesn't need to be 10 out of 10 on the fun mum scale. Just like embodying this joy in a simple way. And that might look like if you're in lockdown, popping your kid in the bath in the middle of the day, like thinking outside the box, you know, if your child likes water, you know, you've got the thing popping, you know, them in the bath and with some scoops and stuff, maybe pop some blue food coloring in the bath. Wow. Oh my gosh, look at this bath. It's a blue bath, you know, and having that lead up time to whatever you, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do, but giving that leeway on the, on the beginning of it before that. But I just think there's pressure that we put on ourselves for things to look a certain way or be a certain way when, we release that, we can just enjoy it so much more. Not saying this time is enjoyable because obviously it's tricky and all the things, but just, you know, like having that just joyful moments with our little people. Yeah. I love that. I know so much. I'm definitely going to do the shallow bath and put some different textures and things in there because it, it is, it's all the simple things. So, you know, there's parents out there and we started with the intention of this call, not being about guilt and looking at all the things you do wrong and none of that. This is more just coming from a place of inspiration, creativity, and actually a permission shift to release yeah. any of the expectations you're having on the call right now and just almost press like a reset. Oh. Okay, let's reset. That's what it felt like for me. I'm going to reset. How can I be a mom that works from home running a business and having a podcast and still have play throughout my day? And I mm. kind of had to go internally and I still have moments where I get stuck and I'm like, okay, we've got the afternoon. How can we, you know, activate more joy for the rest of the afternoon? I'm actually feeling really tired. I'm not necessarily feeling very inspirational, motivated oh. myself. And I know I'm speaking on behalf of a lot of women. 
what is a way, what's some quick, easy ways that we can shift out of that? I mean, I think dance and music is a great one. Mm. Shift out of that mum work zone. It might be at the end of the day picking up the kids from daycare. It might be throughout the day having a break with the kids on a lunch break. What's ways that you shift the funk and the energy in your house when things can get a little, I know you said the fluffy goose, but just, <laughs> just a couple of other fun things that you do in your family that just lifts everybody back up after just, a, you know? Yeah. Can I say one thing before I answer this? We're conditioned from the time we were young that if we feel yucky, if we feel off, if we don't feel like the good and fun mum, we, we're conditioned to judge that as bad. Yeah, sure. Right? We're conditioned to judge that as bad. Like when we were kids, if we fell over and it was a really scary experience and we really hurt ourselves, parents might have said, yeah, jump up, you're okay. Or when we cry, oh, go to your room, or all of those things. And what that does is it disconnects us from how we feel internally, right? Like it's not safe for me to feel like that. It's not safe for me to feel sad or whatever. Like certain emotions are better than others. So it's, it's better to feel joyful. It's better to feel happy. It's better to feel this. It's not good like a bad emotion is sadness and jealousy and anger and overwhelm and all those sort of things right but they're they're just feelings like if you're feeling overwhelmed you're feeling overwhelmed and sometimes you're feeling overwhelmed and that's just how it is and I think it's not something we need to fix but just acknowledge like wow this is a really tricky time and actually being honest with our kids because for me as a parent like one of my ultimate goals is to for my kids to realize you know, sometimes life sucks and sometimes stuff happens that I don't want to happen. It's not about Mm. being sunshine and rainbows and joyful and all of the things all of the time because we're not robots, we're humans. And there's some things that happen in our world that we can't control. And so in those moments, that's when I say to my kids, and we've had so many moments of these for myself personally, I don't know people definitely hearing this that are in lockdowns will experience, like sometimes it sucks. And in those times to just say, wow, to my kids, well, I'm feeling really stressed right now. I feel really in my body. I feel really tired. I feel like I just need a big cry. I feel whatever I feel inside. I'm not judging that feeling, but just saying to the kids, this is how I'm feeling. What do you think we could do? What do you think we could do? And so what happens now if I'm feeling stressed or whatever with my kids, because we're so open about these, like this huge array of feelings that humans experience, because that's like being a human, it's like life. What happens now is my kids actually come up to me. If I'm like, oh, guys, just give me a moment. Like, I just need a moment. I feel like I'm going to flip my lid or, you know, we're a whole brain child family. Like my sons, will, they're like, mum, do you, do you need a hug? You know, and it's coming oh. from them. So this division of responsibility for me to always have the, or like the answers, I'm the control centre of the family, I'm the bottleneck, everything has to come through me. Like I'm modelling for my kids dude, I'm not perfect. I'm feeling really Mm. sad. I've got this work that needs to be done. I feel like I need support in some way. And I'm, I'm giving my kids permission. Like when you feel like that, that's okay. But what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they're beautiful. And, 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 you know, we've done this from the time that they were very young and obviously it's age appropriate. There's, you know, you can't say this yeah. to a one-year-old, they don't have that cognitive capacity. No. But the first thing <laughs> I want to say in the answer to this is like, sometimes you're going to feel overwhelmed and yeah. fighting it, pretending it's not happening, forcing yourself to feel joyful when you just feel like rubbish. <laughs> like it's not a solution, but just, so what I would say first and foremost is just acknowledge that and share that with your mm. kids and say, can we, what do you do when you feel like that? 
you know? And so most of the time they'll say, oh, let's go for a jump on the trampoline or play outside or um, let's play Tickle Monster or let's ride on the bread or whatever the thing is and it comes from them. So that would be the first thing I would say, just feelings are part of being human. Feelings in a pandemic are heightened because we don't have those support structures that we normally have access to when we're not in a pan- like you know lockdown situation. And then I think the things that you've said before, like the dance parties, just shifting the energy. If you can go for a walk, go for a walk around the block. Do something that breaks those habits, like breaks because our brains are wired for repetition and we find ourselves when we get into those moments, we just repeat what we've just done in previous times. But just break out of that in like a fun and simple way. And moving your body is always going to be such a great solution because it just moves that emotion is energy and motion and removing this yes. and moving it through. So I haven't given practical takeaways, but you know what makes you feel better. You know, yeah. like as a human, I can say what makes me feel better. That might not be the same for, you know, little, you know, such and such that's living in lockdown at the moment, you know, like simple things that doesn't, it's not discarding how we're feeling internally, but moving that energy through. Okay, well, I'm allowed to feel like this, but what are some things that I can do to move it through me? Thank you. That was <laughs> I just feel like you're ministering to me right now. And like, I've come on, I'm come on the call and I'm just like sponging up everything. And I'm like, because <laughs> we've had a couple of hard days like on the road and trying to ascertain play in every different new location and safety because every house looks different that way with different cupboards and things are in the cupboards and there's different you know corners and I'm trying to always ascertain how to have play in a new location all the time Mm. without having too many boundaries so I'm feeling all the things that you're talking about at the moment I'm like ah release release I just I'm a, I squishy, I'm a squishy hugger Caitlin like if you ever meet me in person I'm just like you know those like really almost inappropriate like you know when your mum used to hug you as a kid it's just like and you always cry and like the boobs are in your yeah, face because yeah. <laughs> but because sometimes it's okay to feel how you feel it is hard it is hard yeah. sometimes that's okay it doesn't mean you know, whatever we make it, it doesn't mean you're a bad mum, doesn't mean your kids are going to grow up and think any less of you because you haven't spent a thousand hours being joyful and playful. Like they're actually seeing this embodiment of human emotion, but seeing like, how are you being now? Like I feel overwhelmed, but you know, that's okay. But what are we going to do to move this energy through? So uh, this squishy hug <laughs> I just love if you can also encourage the mums out there that are homeschooling and maybe don't have a teaching background and have never done anything like this before and every school looks different whether it's private or public or their structure and some schools I've heard from some mums are very very strict Mm. like clocking on and recording and lots of different requirements that's expected of the parents and the parents are feeling very overwhelmed and let's not get into a debate whether that's right or wrong or how (laughs) can we deal with it (laughs) because I know you're probably very one way but it won't necessarily help the parents but just as a teacher so I feel like you're educated to say this um, which will give parents confidence but if they're not meeting every single milestone every single assessment on time that it's okay and actually them having more play and fun is going to be much more beneficial to their education. I've got a friend that's actually an art teacher and she's just figured out from her child being at home who's six, she works really well doing her homework when she has music. She's singing, she's in this beautiful, joyful, affective 
educated yeah. state. So I just love you to speak into that because I know so many mums are really feeling guilt, disappointment, uneducated, unworthy to be able to be this teacher. Mm. And I think it's just not, it's counterproductive. It's not mm. good for them. It's not good for the family. And they're doing yep. their bloody best. Mm. You know, it's not easy. No. I am, I've won an award, an Australian wide level for innovative curriculum. I've got the tools, right, Caitlin? When it came to homeschooling my children, using the format that the school had provided, so stepping into the way somebody else would have done it, which might not, which we're not going to get into, but like, <laughs> it's hard. And I know what I'm doing. So I think the first step is to just tap in. What are you making this mean? Mm. What are you making this mean? Are you making this mean like you're incompetent, that you can't help your kids at home? Are you making it mean that they're going to grow up and not have any idea? Are you making it mean that they're going to be so far behind their child? And it sounds like a simple thing, but just check again, back to the expectations, back to this control piece, just check in. There is so much science about, um, and, and I don't want to go into it too much, but there's this thing called polyvagal theory, and it looks at the stress response that we have. And if we are stressed, if we're lead flip, if we're in that, in, like, I feel incompetent, what am I going to do? Then that's the energy we're emitting to our kids that are going to be picking up on that. And it's not a conscious thing. This is a subconscious thing, right? So you might hear that and you might, oh my God, that's so me. I feel so stressed all the time. I'm emitting all this stressful energy. I feel guilty about that. Like, don't judge yourself for it, but shift. How can we shift this energy? So if you know your kids got this, you know, they've got a clock on at whatever time, what I would do is just check in with my expectations. And then in the hour beforehand, I would do something to move this stressful energy. It sounds annoying. It sounds simple. It sounds like that's not a solution, but Google polyvagal theory and look at the stress response because it does not serve you. It does not serve your child. Release the expectations. Teachers are human beings. If they knew, like, and I've said to my teachers so many times, I've had 17 teachers over the course of my, my child's school career and they must roll their eyes sometimes. I'm always very pleasant and nice to them. But like sometimes I say, you know what? I'm not going to read that book with them at home. I'm sorry, because my relationship with them is more important than this textbook that actually what's the outcome of them. I would rather read a series that we're reading at home that's squished with goodness and connection. And, you know, and I have that assertion, I guess, because I'm, I've got this context and this background, but like the goal of school is for your children to learn. And if you're both mm. in this heightened stress response where you're stressed because they're not going to get it, then they're not going to learn. They're going to learn that what I feel inside is not safe. I feel stressed and that's not safe. So just, and it's, again, it's annoying and it's fluffy and it's all the things that you just want, the action steps, give me the six-step framework. But it's just checking with how you're feeling and what you're making it mean. Touch base with your teacher if you're struggling. Because you know what? Teachers are struggling too. This has been an incredible, incredibly tumultuous period for teachers. I know there was a stat I read the other day. I can't remember the source of it, so I probably shouldn't say it. Maybe I'll have to have a quick search on it. But it was something like during this pandemic year, like one in four teachers, like they feel like they want to leave the profession. Like that's how stressful this is. The goal of school is for kids to learn. And if we're in that heightened stress response, they're not activating that prefrontal cortex, that part of their brain that's responsible for learning. So just ease into it. Just, you know, 
release those expectations. It's just, I don't know, just oh, all the things, all the things. I almost have a picture of them, the whole family just sitting around the dining table and mum just being like, right, everyone shut their laptops. Mm. We're not going to do school today. We're just going to mm. go outside and we're going to have some fun because mm. one day of missing and I shouldn't be saying it, one day missing out on school isn't going to change the rest of your career path. But we all just need to stop doing what we're doing and just go and have some fun. You know what I mean? It's mostly just either like stop and reset because it's just the, the pressure's building. And eventually something has to come out some way. It comes out in an explosive way, which maybe isn't very, you know, practical, or it can be a shift. Let's go jump on the trampoline, like you said, and let's go release this energy in another way that we can, you know, for our family. One final question, and then I know you've got to go back to your family, but if you were in your future Amy self and you were to look back on this far away in the past COVID pandemic, what do you think would be the biggest learning curve that you've had from everything? So if I'm in the future looking back, what would it be? I just think how resilient humans are. Like, and I think this is, I've said this throughout the conversation, but life isn't sunshines and rainbows we know that when life is easy it's easier to be a parent like it's easy to feel joyful when life is easy but I think that the power not the power because it's I don't want to dismiss anyone's experience of this COVID because it's been horrible horrible and undesirable in every way but it's just brought to light the importance of how we feel as humans and this Mm. range of emotions that in an, an old paradigm is like bad. That's I feel bad because I feel stressed or I feel bad because I feel angry or I feel bad because of this. When actually all feelings are normal. What's, you know, all feelings are accepted. All feelings are a part of being human, but we are resilient. And in these undesirable moments, there are still these beautiful moments for connection with the little people that we love the most. And we can flip these, but we have to tap in to ourselves and how we feel and release this pressure, release this judgment, release this expectation that we have a whole of ourselves. So I think that's what I would say. I think that's what I would say. <laughs> I think family has been one, if there was like a, you know how we just did the whole census, I feel like one of the questions would be, what is your top value after going through COVID? And I seriously think everyone would say family. Mm. Family, family, family. Like people mm. think about how much they're working that's taking away from their family. Do I have fun with my family? Do I enjoy our holidays with our family? Like reflecting on the way they've been doing family or not doing, but having family time. Do we sit at the dinner table every night and enjoy each other's company? Do I, you know, choose my family over doing another thing to impress my boss? Like all of these questions I think have been dug up and that's what's also made people feel really uncomfortable as well Mm. on top of, it's definitely made me reflect. It's made me think about, what do I want my family to look like in the future? How do I want my children to see me? Do I want to be a present parent? Am I going to be buried in my work all the time, trying to make other people happy when my family's just sitting there waiting? And I call them my first ministry because they will always be my first service. And that I think has been a really beautiful silver lining, hasn't mm. it? It's just family is just elevated. More people having babies. Mm. I don't believe how many people are popping out babies because they're just gone. All we have is the most joyful thing, and it's our family. So let's just have more babies and be a big family. Or maybe because we're at home more <laughs> and we're bored and we're having lots and lots and lots of sex. So let's not go to the gut. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much. Not that I want anyone to feel like after this call that they need to go do anything, but if anyone is feeling 
creatively stirred up and really enthusiastic for what Playful Family is about. Is there uh, a way that they can get more of you, Amy, through your programs other than watching you and do your hilarious reels? Is there anything that they can take part in? (laughs) I love your reels and I feel like you haven't been on your reels as much lately, so I feel like you need to get back on the reels a bit more. I'll do one for you. I'll Um, tag you in it, (laughs) Caitlin. Please, I would love that. I loved the one I shared the other day. I just, I love it. It's just fun. If you're going to be online, you may as well serve in a colourful way, right? Um, But what is a way people, if they want to, partake in more of the Amy, more (laughs) of the Dr. Fun at the moment? Because Squatty's closed till next year. Look, I don't want to, I can't give away too much at the moment. We're having a bit of a revamp at the moment with all my programs. So you can find me on the website, playfulfamilies.com. But in the next two months, we're going to be releasing a whole bundle of goodness that you can access on demand whenever you like. We've got a podcast relaunching. We've got all of the things coming. So maybe jump on my email list. Um, You can do that at playfamilies.com or hang out with me on Instagram. Throw me a DM. Give me a voice message. I love a a bit of a chat on the DM voice message, you know. But, yeah, just keep an eye peeled because, yeah, in a couple of months, where are we now? In October, we've got lots of, yeah, really – Really judgment-free, expectation-free, like all of the things we've been speaking about, there's a whole new level of things that are coming so I can support families because my goal, as you know, Caitlin, is to create a movement of people who enjoy their precious, one-of-a-kind families. So, yeah. Thank Thank you so much much for taking the time. And I know lots of mums are just going to (sighs) go... The backpack's going to come off today and they're going to take a deep breath and go, okay, let's restart Let's focus on play. Let's just have fun because mm. at the end of the day, it's one life and it's how we spend it. It's how we enjoy it. And we want to look back in 10 years and go, you know, I endured that COVID season and it was really awful. Or was it that was the time that I activated the greatest sense of play I've ever had in my mm. entire family. Thanks so much for having me, Caitlin. I've loved being here. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Bell and Beyond. Mama, I know you're so busy and your time is precious. So I hope today's episode has left you feeling more empowered around your choices and that your voice matters. If you have loved this week's episode, make sure you subscribe and get all the weekly updates. It would also be so awesome if you could leave a five-star review for this independently run podcast produced by this mama herself. And if you've had all the feels today and a mum's popped into your mind, jump over, send her a DM or share it on your stories. That would be the absolute best. If you have any questions at all, connect with me over on my Instagram at bellyandbeyond underscore and let's write or rewrite your story of motherhood together.